was powerful to me to see that light bulb moment in our youth where they realized that they had a real stake in the story that was being told and it became important to them. And seeing that light bulb moment happen with our youth is something that I look forward to on an everyday basis and why I chose to work at McGizzy. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cope Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Thank you for joining us. Miigwech. Native Lights is a place to have conversations with awesome Native folks to share their gifts and purpose and all of that good stuff. I'm super excited to chat today. And how are you doing, Cole? Doing great. You know, just uh, it's the final stretch for the wedding, so just getting, you know, Crossing the T's and dotting the I's and all that stuff. So, so just you know, going with the flow. How are you doing? I, I hear that you're into you're doing some music things recently. It's going to be great. Yes, I am doing some music things. I I have been performing with Warbonnet, uh, with Chaz Wagner, who has been nice. on Native Lights actually in our what first second season second season. Yeah, it was earlier. Yeah, so earlier. It's pretty exciting. Oh, that's awesome! Well, I. I I look forward to seeing some, uh, maybe some footage or something. We'll see. Yeah, there is a video online that Warbonnet posted. And I'm in it. And my nails are done. I look good. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Um, So on Native Lights, many of our guests are known to teach and mentor children. You'll see a theme of that throughout our shows. And they, you know, help them develop into future leaders and contributors uh, to their communities so it's it's been very clear that Native folks place a lot of importance on nurturing youth. So that's why I'm excited to speak with today's guest. And uh, she works with Native youth in media content creating. Yay! The next generation yep. of media, of content creators, of service, media service providers. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, today we're chatting with Benesikwe Means. Benesikwe Means is a citizen of the Oglala Lakota tribe in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. She was born and raised in Minneapolis and is part of Megize, a South Minneapolis nonprofit that supports Native youth. There, she is the lead media instructor for First Person Productions, where she works with youth to create video and other content for small businesses and nonprofits. And, and I can't wait to get into that with her today. Hello. Hello. Boujou, boujou. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. All right. Well, we'll just uh, kick it off. Um, so, Boujou, could you uh, please introduce yourself and where you're joining us from? Sure. Uh, my name is Benesi Quay Means. I'm the lead media instructor for McGizzy's First Person Productions. Um, and I'm an enrolled citizen of the Ogallala Lakota tribe of Pine Ridge, as well as a descendant of White Earth, Minnesota. So we, we always like to ask, uh, how are you and your family doing during the pandemic, during 2022? Um, I think 2022 was a year of growth for our family. We've really kind of moved outside of ourselves. We just got back from a large family vacation, our first ever we planned for our family. Um, so that was really beautiful. 
Um, and we're just kind of a, adjusting, getting adjusted again, and another year of adjustments, right? Uh, last year was one of the first years that we could attend our traditional ceremonies with our families uh, where we were gathering. And so this year is just more about the thoughtful planning that goes into um, participating in things like powwows and ceremonies um, and things like that with our family. Where did you go on vacation? Uh, we went to Orlando. Um, and we brought the kids to Universal. Um, and then, of course, uh, my parents went to uh, the, um, the Seminole Casino. And so oh. we all kind of went our separate ways and met back at the Airbnb. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go double a 20. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excellent. That sounds nice. fun. Was it at least Warmer, I presume. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, you couldn't tell from me, but all of the kids are very brown. Um, they kicked off their summer tans. And so um, all right. I'm one of those unfortunate pale Indians. And so <laughs> sunlight doesn't do the same beautiful things to me as it does the kids, apparently. Oh, <laughs> great. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I like to ask everybody who comes on, Kind of what's on the top of your mind right now? What what are you thinking about that's holding place in your thoughts? I think right now just focusing on summer, um, on programming, and about providing kind of the best experience, summer experience for our students um, that we can. We'll be employing 30 students And then we have another program that will be bringing together 20 students to talk about water um, sovereignty and water protection and what that means within their own communities. Great. Thank you. So uh, before we get too in-depth, you know, with uh, your position uh, at Migazi, could you just start out by describing Migazi and its mission? Um, Sure. So Migazi was founded in 1977. Um, with the goal of countering uh, misrepresentations and inaccuracies of Native people in the media. Um, And Magizzi has uh, transformed from this program that was about training journalists into uh, providing support for our students within the classrooms, providing cultural support, providing job opportunities um, and internship opportunities, as well as uh, cultural experiences for our students. Gotcha. And of course, there was the fire that happened in 2020. And you were working with Migazi at that time. Could you just, you know, describe what it was like to experience that and just the response from the community? Sure. Um, during the uprising, uh, we had lost our building that we were in for about eight months prior to the uprising. Spent uh, two years renovating it. Uh, We allowed our students to, you know, choose the floor colors, the wall colors. They had input on the furniture. Um, And we thought it was really important to empower our students to do that so they could really see themselves in our space. And so after two years of cultivating this very beautiful kind of student-led space, our building was a loss in the uprising. Um, I think it was important to note that because of the support of the community of the American Indian Movement and other Native parents and kids in the community, um, they were the ones that really protected our building. Our building did not get looted or destroyed because of the buildings that were burning um, down the block. So the embers from a fire landed on our rooftop, and that's how we burned from the top down. And it was really a beautiful um, 
it was a it was a crazy space because it went from something that was so beautiful and community oriented with the protest, um, and then you just kind of seen the growth in about you know, five to six hours, um, from when everything started burning. And so, um, it was a really, uh, I think challenging time for us because we were, um, still out, obviously, um, handing out snacks, being of service to our community, making sure people had water. We even had gallons of milk, um, for people who had been maced and things like that. And so um, as a community, we had brought in, asked the American Indian Movement to come in and help secure the space. Um, them, along with other uh, members of the community, just concerned citizens, uh, really secured our building and ensured that we were um, safe for a majority of the uprising. That's really beautiful. And I remember talking with Kelly Drummer, um, executive director of Migazi, about that time and her telling me about uh, during the, the water damage from the sprinkler systems that there was a paper mache MMIW like figure that helped protect the medicines that Migazi had on site from the damage. And so the medicines survived and the medicines were okay, which I just thought was like a really beautiful story. Yeah, our students um, in our Green Jobs program had curated one of the last sections of the May Day Parade um, and it was the All My Relations. And so they brought together community organizations um, and community causes. Um, and one of them was creating this murdered missing Indigenous woman. Uh, we partnered with Gracie Horn, who did an amazing job working with our students and bringing about awareness to the murdered missing Indigenous woman um, platform, as well as um, really working with our students to um, build this woman that uh, represented that. For, our, for us and for our organization. And so uh, she soon found a place within the front door of our building. Um, it was one of the first things that you seen whenever you came in. Um, and it was uh, a beautiful story to hear um, of how, uh, because of where her placement, um, she sheltered all of the um, the medicines uh, from getting wet. Uh, one of the main things that caused damage at our building wasn't necessarily the fire, um, but all of the water that came after. Thank you. Do you know how the, the new building is coming along? I, I saw last it was, uh, you know, set to open in fall or something like that. Yep. So we initially were looking at an August uh, move-in date. Um, we are currently looking at uh, the end of November um, some of the things that have kind of, uh, we're adding on an addition to the building that we purchased. Uh, we're building a huge green jobs workshop um, that will uh, allow our students to explore careers in the green field. Um, and so we're building on a beautiful uh, workshop space for them, um, as well as fully renovating the entire building. And so um, we're also going with uh, geothermal for heating the building because we have such a great green jobs program that talks about jobs within the renewable energy. We thought it would be great if we as an organization um, kind of embraced that idea of using green and renewable energy. We're one of the first couple buildings that will actually have this in Minneapolis. So it's taking a little bit longer. You got to worry about a well and a few other um, things that our engineers are dealing with. Um, but we're really excited to take this green approach with our new building. That's really exciting. That's really fun to hear. 
those first energies. Yeah, right. First energies. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing geothermal as well as uh, we'll have solar panels on our patio rooftop. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Benesi Kwe Means, citizen of the Oglala Lakota tribe in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. She's the lead media instructor at Megazee for First Person Productions, a youth-led social enterprise that produces videos and other content for small businesses and nonprofits. So, Benesi Kwe, I have been a longtime fan of Megazee, so I, I could see myself just enjoying working there. But let's talk about you and what led you to Megazee and um, the work that you do with youth. Um, well, I was born and raised here in South Minneapolis. Growing up here and being a part of community, um, you just realize how important storytelling is from a young age. And for me, bringing this natural born storytelling ability that we all have as Indigenous people, um, it's how we've passed down our languages, our stories, and our culture for generations. Um, it's important for me to embrace that um, and also look at building the next generation of great storytellers in our communities, people who um, so often when it comes to mass media, uh, we're misrepresented, we are exploited, and Indigenous people as a whole are used as kind of a seat filler. Um, and I like the approach of developing and telling our own stories as well as empowering our youth to, to find their voice um, and know how and when to use it. Wonderful. So what in your background maybe was motivating for you to get into that work? So the storytelling, um, was there a moment that you decided like that you wanted to work at Megazee or wanted to have a role like this? Um, well, I started my career in filmmaking um, through a program in St. Paul called In Progress. Um, and through them, I kind of became their cultural or their um, their tribal communities outreach. So I would travel to places like Buganagizik School. Uh, we traveled to Red Lake. And we worked with their communities to build these uh, storytelling pieces. I was an artist in residency, if you will. Those were such great experiences for me to go into the schools and work with kids and develop stories um, around these grand ideas. And it was powerful to me to see that light bulb moment in our youth where they realized that they had a real stake in the story that was being told and it became important to them. Um, and seeing that light bulb moment happen with our youth is something that I look forward to on an everyday basis um, and why I chose to work at McGizzy. Uh, once I heard McGizzy was starting a social enterprise uh, with Native youth about filmmaking, I thought it was important to want to be a part of that because telling stories is something that I'm very passionate about, especially when it's from our community, by our community, and for our community. Could you give us a little more on first-person production? Sure. First-person productions is actually a take on first-person radio, which was what McGizzy was initially founded to do. Uh, they started a radio show and they started some journalism classes. They were all, uh, McGizzy was founded by a group of students from the University of Minnesota, and they were passionate about creating more Native journalists because they wanted to be able to tell our stories from our perspectives. Um, and so it was very unique for us to move into uh, radio. So they did uh, 
first person radio, which was one of the first uh, native syndicated radio shows um, in America. Um, and so uh, the, the pieces that these students at the University of Minnesota created traveled around um, Indian country through the different reservations um, and were syndicated all over. And that was something that was important for us uh, to know that unique history. As we moved on as an organization and expanded our services, we realized that the storytelling component uh, was still something that was very important to not only our mission, um, but to our students as well. Great. I'm curious, how do students, uh, you know, Native youth, how do they they find this program? How do they get involved? Sure. So we allow students to apply on our website. Uh, we reach out to students, schedule an initial meeting, um, have them come in. Uh, they are placed in, um, in a cohort, whether it's um, first-person productions or we also have our Green Jobs Initiative. Um, they join our programming um, then they are placed in a, a nine-week cohort uh, where they learn the various pieces, the filmmaking, the graphic design. Um, this is where the green jobs, uh, people learn actually how energy is used and travels through different systems um, and through that programming. Um, and then we have a internship program where after you're done with the nine weeks, you can be placed in an internship for up to 10 weeks. Um, where students work one-on-one -on -one, um, with a business or a small nonprofit uh, to develop their social media presence or to build on their idea of green and renewable energy in their space. Great. Uh, so with your work with the youth, like what uh, recent you know, projects have you guys worked on? And just curious about that. Sure. Some of the things that we've done um, in this past probably two or three cohorts. We've done a number of TikTok videos um, that are relating to COVID vaccines. Um, and this last round, we built a whole brand around vaccine as protection, um, aiming at those five to 12 year olds who have not yet been vaccinated, um, both aiming, um, aiming some of our um, some of our graphic designs, some of our more marketing materials towards the younger kids, as well as marketing towards their parents, because their parents are the ones who initially have kind of the final say on whether they get vaccinated. Um, we also did a partnership with Vision Maker Media, where we focused on uh, filmmaking and video creation for about five weeks. Students went through that program and uh, created 10 different short videos um, that were about community health and what that means to them. And I think it was very powerful for us to talk about community health with youth because they took this small idea and brought it in so many directions. Like as an adult, I think of community health. I think of, you know, healthcare systems. I think of myself and how I take care of myself. Our students took it in a million directions. There was a video that was about cybersecurity and why that's important to community health. There were things that were about boarding schools um, and why that's a part of community health. Uh, things about language revitalization and why that's important to community health. Um, so just to give our students this kind of broad idea and just see where their electric minds kind of take these ideas in different directions is really beautiful, powerful, and impactful for our students and for our families, I think. 
You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Benezikwe Means, citizen of the Oglala Lakota tribe in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. She's the lead media instructor at Migazi for First Person Productions, a youth-led social enterprise that produces videos and other content for small businesses and nonprofits. I know you're, you know, teaching children all these skills and things like that, but you've had to have learned some things from them as well. Like, is there, you know, some powerful, you know, lesson you've learned from working with these Native youth? I think the biggest lesson that I've learned um, from working with youth is just to never underestimate them um, because they will always surprise you. Uh, For instance, some of the equipment that we have, uh, we have iPads and Apple pencils, right? Um, I'm pretty new to that technology. um, And so I went through the tutorials, walked students through how to use it, um, gave it to a student, and they came back the next day and showed me 15, 20, 30 things I didn't know about how to use this Apple pen and this uh, iPad. And so I don't think there's ever a moment where I'm not surprised by our students. Uh, the beautiful thing about Native youth is they show you, they show you and they show up in so many different ways, right? Um, a lot of the students, the reason why we have the iPads and the Apple Pencils is we get a lot of creative students, a lot of students who like drawing. And so having the students take it from a pencil and a piece of paper to digital art is such a leap for them. Um, and it's it's a learning curve for all of us. But by the end, they're showing me things that I would have never known how to do had they not given me the direction. Um, and that's another reason why I love youth work is I learn just as much from them as they do from me. And I really uh, appreciate it and carry it with me for a long time. Wonderful. How fun are they? Like, is it rambunctious? Is it a rambunctious <laughs> crew? Like... <laughs> What is that like? Our groups uh, at McGizzy are always very fun. Um, First person productions, a lot of the students that we get because a lot of our work is behind the camera, um, developing ideas, producing ideas. We're not necessarily in front of the camera. So a lot of the students that we get are more uh, reserved, right? They kind of have um, more of like a guard up. They're a little more quiet. Um, So one of the things that we started doing was just starting with creative activities where for the first 20, 30 minutes of the day, you know, especially with the extended school day that Minneapolis Public School has done, by the time they get to us, they're just kind of exhausted. It's written all over their face, right? They've been in school for like nine hours or something. And so by the time they get to us, we start with a creative activity that just allows them to, you know, whether it's sitting outside helping um, helping our CLAW program with their uh, May Day exploration and their uh, puppets and things that they created for May Day, whether it's just sitting down and painting, paper mache, getting their hands dirty, just some sort of creative activity that gets them thinking and gets them using that creative side of their brain. So whenever it comes to actually producing work and doing the work, um, they're ready to go. They're already kind of in that mindset of they have all these ideas and things. And so um, we've always found that to be uh, the most important is just, you know, kind of winding them down from the school day and winding them up for the work day. Um, And Mm -hmm. so we're really excited about uh, today. We actually have somebody in this space that's talking to our students about uh, college and the cost of college and scholarships and grants and all of those kind of things. And so we're all 
always having uh, pretty adventurous days here at McGizzy. We have a lot of people that come in um, to help and work with our youth. And so we're just really excited to be a space where our students feel comfortable and um, they come in um, ready to learn and, and participate in these events. What do you do in your free time? Like what other hobbies, hobbies do you have? Um, well, I like spending time um, with my children. I enjoy uh, beadwork. I am like a beadwork connoisseur. <laughs> um, I make it as well as purchase a lot of it. Um, I always like looking at handmade indigenous art as like putting it on a pedestal. Like it's right up there with the diamonds and the pearls, right? <laughs> so I really enjoy um, indigenous beadwork. Um, we do a lot of things with um, like skirts, um, ceremonies, preparing for uh, sun dances and powwows, sweat lodges, things like that. Um, so we really like enjoy um, uh, moving through spaces as well. Um, our family is all from South Dakota. They live out that way. Um, so we travel out there uh, pretty often as well as uh, my mother um, is from White Earth and we have family up there. So we really like to travel and kind of get outside of the city, uh, get our kids um a little bit of that uh, good res dirt on them and um, <laughs> have our good times with our family. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So, you know, as we wrap up the interview, do you have any, you know, final thoughts on, you know, your work, Megazi, or, you know, anything like that? Um, I think for us at Megazi, we're just really looking forward to this next step of getting our completed building done in November. Um, we're really excited about kind of the next step for our programming um, and how we continue to build on the legacy that was left um, to us from people like Elaine Stately, Laura Waterman Woodstock, um, and all of the beautiful representation, Clyde and Peggy from the community um, that have really put the love and time into McGizzy and to know that they gave it to good hands. Um, that all the staff here at McGizzy has uh, committed to continuing education for our youth. We're really invested in creating the next best opportunity for our youth here at McGizzy. Great. And uh, you talked about what, you know, how students can get involved, but, you know, how can just anyone support McGizzy? Yeah, we, uh, we take donations. We're still in the middle of raising for our capital campaign for our building. You can hop on our website. There's a Donate Now button. We're also open to cultural donations, right? If you have a skill like ribbon skirt making, reach out. Um, maybe we can put on a workshop and bring students in um, and you can share your gifts. Uh, donate your time and services. Reach out to us through our website um, and we'll have somebody uh, reach out and you know figure out about how to get get you more involved in community. We have a lot of people reaching out at all the time, all the time about different opportunities that they can come in um, and be a part of. And so we're really proud to kind of offer that space. And that's what we're looking forward to at the new space is having more, more space uh, for programming, for community. Um, and we're really looking at being more of a community space with this new building. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time and speaking with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, miigwech. This is really fun yeah. to hear. Migazi is an incredible organization. Um, so it's really exciting to be able to hear more about it and from your perspective. Thank you, guys. You, you can hear how much care she has for the community and youth and 
making sure our stories are being told by us. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. I wish I wish I had been able to participate in Megazine when I was in high school. That would be so cool. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And it's only going to get better because they're going to be opening up that building soon and since there's going to be so much more space for them and I, I can't wait to see updates uh, when that happens. Absolutely. So thank you to Benesique Means, citizen of the Oglala Lakota tribe in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. She lives in Minneapolis. She's also the lead media instructor at Megazine for First Person Productions, a youth-led social enterprise that produces videos and a bunch of other content for small businesses and nonprofits. And the website for Megazine is migizi.org. And we'll also have that in the show notes. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wobbaman. Giga Wobbaman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. 